Yavel bang. How was your vacation? It was night court. Ah, you're supposed to say it was good, and then I ask you how your night was. Shit. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Wait, how was your vacation? It was good. How was your night? Well, that then just, how was your just, night? That's not even that smooth. <laughs> <I don't laughs> it's better than just cramming night are. court in. Uh, how was your night? It was good. How was your court? I, very good, actually. It was a good night court. Oh, like the... Okay. Jesus. All right. <laughs> I got to start this off. Yes. I didn't like this episode. No? I loved it. There we go. Oh, How my could you not? God. It has everything you could want. Everything you could want. Maybe not for... Oh, I, I, sorry. I, I got excited. Um, it's called Wonder Drug because it's wonderful. It's Wonder Drugs because there's so many wonderfuls. Uh, everybody rise, be seated, quick rise, quick seated. Quick seat, yeah. With me as always is the Honorable Casey Van Heel and his Canadian tuxedo. Stop, you're beating me to the punches. (laughs) And I'm your bailiff, Hans Freiwald. Unfortunately, our district attorney, Ash, uh, isn't with us today. And it's a shame because I would have liked to seen her have a meltdown, I would imagine. Because this is a... This yeah. is a focal on her favorite character. It's Lana centric, and she yeah, you get to see both sides of the. I'm I'm going back to what you posited earlier. If Harry Crime is collecting a, is the, actually an agent of chaos. Yeah, Lana is officially Two Face. Oh yeah, she definitely because we got to see both sides of Lana. The our, our typical cold hearted '80s woman. And then our cool Hank, cool party girl from from where I don't know. She took the fielding drugs as she we did. She again the- as we posited. She took the love drugs. Not to spoil it. When uh, when uh, real quick before well, if you should have watched, if you haven't watched the episode, we're on episode nine. When Bostwick entered, did you think that was her fiance? Yes, me too. Yes, <laughs> I was like, I did. Damn. I was like, God damn this show, handsome black man. <laughs> Woo! Oh, and then I was like, Oh, it's Bostwick. And it's perfect name for, and his name is Emerson. Yes, that's, I put that all together. I was like, I see where they're going with that. Like, handsome African-American man dressed neat as a pin. I was like, that is her fiance that she has been shitting on for the last 20 minutes. But then I was like, Bostwick looks like he can make an omelet. I think her husband Emerson has got like a little bit of a, what was that movie? What was that movie with Harrison Ford where he gets shot in the head when when he's buying oh, cigarettes? Regarding Henry? Yeah, I thought Emerson. She's dating I thought Henry? we might have been regarding Emerson. <laughs> <laughs> no, I as soon as that episode opened, and well, I guess we'll get to the intro, but the episode opens and Lana is on the phone harping up a storm about an omelet. Uh, on the phone just... I don't know. It's an omelet. Make a decision. Make a choice. I can't help you. I can't. I don't know what to do, Emerson. Provolone like, mozzarella. Ding, ding. As soon as I heard the name Emerson, I was like, this has to be the, her much hated 
fiance. Much talked about fiance. And now you're just like, God, she fucking loathes this guy. Not to, again, not to blow the lead here. Oh, no. She is screaming into the telephone. Like she's talking to some insurance agent or something. Like that's how you talk to the the cable company. Yeah, that's how you talk to someone you know you're never gonna meet face to face. That's how you that's how you talk to someone because if you don't, you're gonna kick your dog or hit your wife. Oh yeah, she is just spitting fire on this poor schmuck. And it's all over an omelet. And he, I mean, to be fair, she he did like call like I love the choice of omelet because it's the easiest thing. To make besides oh, just regular eggs. And I feel like in the 80s, yeah, I feel like there was more omelet. Now that you mention it, it's interesting. Like, I feel like there were more omelet references in the 80s. And also, adding to his his regarding Henry's softness, he's having an omelet at like 1130 at night. Everything about that. Exactly. <laughs> Gut buster, man. I'm, I'm making it. Is that movie insensitive? I'm not. Getting, is that movie regarding Henry now insensitive? Like, no. Because if you're pitching was, a movie, a- man's get shot in the brain. Now he's, hand, uh, mentally ill. Mentally ill. He's mentally, mentally challenged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like Phineas Gage. He's gonna commit murder. I I, I really no remember that movie uh, a little too well. Like I don't. It's one of those movies. There's no reason for me to have watched it. It came out in like 1991. I was like yeah. nine, and yet I remember watching it repeatedly. I guess because he was Indiana Jones. Right. I was gonna say, and it's not a Harrison Ford you would want to see. Like he's not Han Solo. He's not Indiana Jones. He's not even the Fugitive. Like there's nothing about it that would be like. I want to watch this Harrison Ford movie. I think that's where, like, and I think that movie scares me more than most movies. Certainly more than any other Harrison Ford movie. It's like, that's oh, all yeah. it takes? One shot in the head? I think even, I even remember at, like, eight, I was just like, just let it kill me. Just let it kill me. Because yeah. <laughs> he well, just he gets those... treated so badly. Everybody's so abusive to him. Because wasn't he a jerk before? Yes. So he... you don't feel quite so bad that he can't? function because it was like well he was a fucking prick before the part i remember specifically is like he's this manhattan lawyer his family owns this law firm he's like super uh snobby i guess is the word like the last thing that happens before he goes out to pick up his cigarettes is they have a table delivered before a party and it kind of looks like a turtle and he's like what is this garbage table set it back and he's like, and then Shoot he gets shot in the head, and he comes back, head. and he's like, "The table looks like a turtle." Oh, I was like, God. "Oh God, his wife's gonna leave him. His dad's <laughs> firing him. <laughs> his kids don't respect him." And I'm eight, and I'm like, "I can't handle this. This is too much for me. I want him to fly a spaceship, fight like, Nazis." Oh God, yeah, like. There's so many, yeah, I, this isn't the regarding, this isn't the regarding Emerson episode, though it's be slowly becoming that way. But they, there's also some parts where they're like, you know what, uh, what Henry, we're going to give you that big case. And they do put him in like a, like in front of a jury or something. Like, can you imagine being that client? Hey, 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 <laughs> like, hey, wait, hey, what? hey, no, no, no. I, how did I draw the Henry straw? And he's got one of those fidget spinners, and you're like, what is he doing? He's not even listening. Wait, are those one of those things I keep seeing, the fidget spinners that look like they're, like, three-sided? And they're at, like, every little convenience store? Yeah, they're the, like, fart machine of of the current age, apparently. (laughs) 
I don't know what are they on like a string? Is it like one of those things that you got at the circus where you zzz and the wheel goes up and down? No, or? it's like uh, just honestly, like there's a little like ball bearing thing. So you hold it in the center or yes. on one of the the edges. Yep. And you just literally spin it. That there's is nothing. That's it. It's just a, a swirly gig. <laughs> So how did, how do I literally see, they're in every subway station, they're in every bodega, every Dwayne Reed, and I was like, because I'm missing like cheap. some, what's that? And pe- I said because they're cheap. Yeah, but I'm looking at the packaging going like, there must be behind the swirly gig, like a little string or another thing, because it can't be what you just, like, I was like, it can't, it can't be that. No, it's like, I think our society is slowly becoming Henry. <laughs> because they're just like ah just spin it just spins it just spins oh i bet you know what the best part of that is is probably like there's some like hip-hop or pop celebrity that has like a a julie crusted swirly gig oh i'm sure i heard someone at work a, a guy at work was explaining it to people last night and he was like, yeah, I've seen really expensive ones that are like batarangs and stuff. And I was like, oh, of course. Oh, the like ner- your, your designer swirly gigs. Nerds are, I felt, I felt like nerds are too, well, that's how you get the nerd market. I was going to say nerds are too smart for swirly gigs, but all you got to do is slap a Superman symbol on it. And oh, I'd yeah. even get, I'd be like, what is that? A, a Goonies swirly gig? All right. <laughs> Flop, love, <Slop>. junk. <laughs> Give me table. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't like doesn't it make so you have someone who fidgets which is not whatever it's a thing but like you have a fidgety jittery person who then has these two hands with swirling metal like it just makes <laughs> mean, it worse yeah you become like one of those creatures from that second um those horrifying creatures from the second wizard of Oz, return to oz oh, the wheelers what well, yeah exactly the, you just get two robot arms oh my god and let's get to the episode after this maybe I saw, I, I, we, all right. So yes, we're becoming, we're regarding society. We're becoming the Henry society. There's millennial, there's Gen X millennials. And now we're the Henry's Henry's. trademark that. (laughs) What are you? I'm a Henry. (laughs) Which might, you know, ignorance is bliss. But on the other spectrum, I finally saw what I think I've kind of been wanting to see maybe my whole life or since I saw the Jetsons. A guy, I'm riding my bike, and it, and it's it's not something I should be on, uh, because I will kill myself. But I was like, that's like, how did it take so long? It was like a um, what are those things? A Segway uh-huh. without the connection part. So it was just a guy standing. What was it just a wheel on a wheel, but like a motorcycle wheel or like a like a scooter wheel? Two mm. simple pedals on the side, like not not holding on to anything, like swirly gigging in his hands. And but <laughs> zipping with traffic in Queens. Whoa! So it's like a, holy shit! So it's like an actual hoverboard. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it wasn't hovering, but it was just you know. I'm. But yeah, uh, Meg and I were talking. It was like we're assuming like it goes when you lean your feet forward. Yeah, I guess it's you like break it when you lean back, and then when you're off of it, you, you fall off, which would no, destroy it. you. It must yeah. just stop because it needs some kind of pressure to go. You just bail off of it, just jump. 
But that's like when you're going down a steep hill. You think it's a good yeah. idea to go down a steep hill on skateboard, and you get that first sense of like, like that I first hill. You, you, and how fast are you going then? And when you bail, if you don't have like a patch of grass on the side, if you don't have grass on the oh, side. Yeah. And you're just going street, like you are gonna mess yourself up. So I can't oh, imagine God, you're yeah. going 20 miles an hour <laughs> behind a car, God. and you, yeah. you know, it had the big treaded tire, so you're going over stuff. But you know, but also how do to you be swerve? in the street? Like how often are bicycles hit? And that's you have a little bit more mass and size. Like this just looks like a guy, like like someone's just gonna. Smash it just, it could, but it is cool. Like I saw, and everybody, of course, as he zipped by, like everybody did, yeah. like a like a looking at a butt cheek stare. But I, I was, I was staring too. I was like, it, that was pretty sweet. I just don't think, I don't think I'm, I'm too Henryed. I'm too Henryed for it. Yeah, I give me a, do it. give me a swirly subway ride and a five dollar swirly subway swirly gig. I can't believe that they're pitch. Hey man, that's their Tom Cruise thing. Yeah, they're hold. He's holding a swirly gig going. <laughs> yeah. Somebody invented one of these babies. That's going to be in the new cocktail too. It honestly is that simple. Someone sat down and went, "I have this. This does this. It costs a dime." Yeah, I guess. But like, do you think they were just like spinning something else in their hand and they're just like, "Fuck it." I guess this now. Like how? How else? How else? I, it's I not saw- a real psychiatrist. It's not a real psychiatrist going you i'm going to subscribe this for people's nerves it's like one of those knockoff they have those little uh cubes have you seen those that's for like uh ocd and uh, tourette's and sort of fidgety it's this little like dice it's like a cube of ice and each side has a little sort of thing like one has a little clicker you can move your thumb other has buttons it looks like a baby's toy but it's for your hand you just put it in your hand and it has all these different little things in it that you can do if you feel anxious, I guess. And those I are expensive. So I feel like someone just went, oh, just bo- just boiled it down to the swirly gig. Like, they're like, oh, I don't need all other shit. Just this. But that are, give me the classic masculine uh, Larry Fishburne boys in the hood Benoit balls or whatever oh, yeah, they're called, yeah. you know? That, <laughs> yeah. Whatever those, like the... What are they called? Like they have, I'm sure they have some Asian racist name, like oh, Chanabels. Yeah, you know, no, they're, like- I think they're called Chi Balls. Oh yeah, Chi Balls. That's it. Those, but like, if you ever put like they, somebody with a nice big, big old hand makes them look yeah. kind of cool. You ever put a pair? Of, I put a pair of Chi Balls in my hand. <laughs> I, I, I kept losing one and. <laughs> It's like there's so many. I don't know if you remember. Oh my god, we got wonder drugs. These are wonder inventions. Yeah. Um, there was a hot time, late '80s, early '90s, when like swirly gigs were really in, and I mean like there was a thing where you could. It was like just a bunch of metal uh, pieces, and you put imprints in them. Like you put your hand oh, on yeah, it. Oh yeah, the kept, pin, the little, the pin, the like, the sharper image, like pinhead. Thing that you yeah, put you put your, your everybody put their face on it, and you got the yeah. There was that, and then there was classic, a uh, bunch of uh, balls in a line, and you oh yeah, click yeah. that, and then for a while those kind of looked sleek and metal, and you put them on your desk. 
I, I can't believe I'm just remembering these now. There was a swirly gig that was all plastic and they were neon colors and it was two balls on separate strings on a handle. One ball oh, was just... neon pink and one yeah. ball was like hot green and then you started you clacking, clicking them together yeah. and the faster it got, just in your vision, it just changed color because you stopped seeing the ball's speed. Yeah, that was the 90s swirly gig. It really was. Plastic clack, it just clacked the balls together. No wonder dads in the 90s were losing their goddamn minds. I feel. Just in the back seat. (laughs) (laughs) Almighty. Or the thing like we've talked about on Jerk Practice Podcast, the (laughs) the circus toys. Or just those crappy guns that go, eh, oh, God. Every time you click it, it's a different sound. Yeah, somebody just went, fuck it. I'm just going to put a, I'm just going to make a noise like it's an electric noise maker. I remember the first time I saw one of those, like a keychain with fart noise, robot sound, a, a uh. siren. And then you just hit it constantly around <laughs> your house until your mother threatens to leave your father. <laughs> And doesn't know why. <laughs> it's all because of this fucking swirly gig noise machine. That's how Russia's invading our culture. Or China. That's how they're that's how they're infiltrating the election. How come nobody yeah. voted? He <laughs> <laughs> just hit the button. I voted. I voted. I voted. I voted. Oh my god. See, there's your swirly gig right there. I voted. And I voted a fart machine. It just plays. Yeah, just oh my god! Music. And that's it right there. It's literally it just says "I voted." So when you come out of the voting booth, it's like a sign. You meme it, or yeah. you you Instagram it because it's like a sign. Like my vote doesn't fucking matter. I voted. <laughs> Selling on They've every already won. All right, I vote for this episode. I vote for this episode. Episode nine: Wonder Drugs. Okay. Uh, or drug. I think we, we've um, su- sufficiently wandered around, so I won't give it a, yeah. a cocktail hour on this one. Right. <laughs> um, Wonder Drugs, episode nine. It aired March 7th, 1984. Uh, it's um, It's got our usual cast of characters. We've seen them on a couple other episodes as far as writer-director. That was um, directed by Asad Kalada. Ooh, direct. Yes. And uh, written by Howard Ostroff. A little description here. Lana disrupts... Ooh, I like this. Uh, And it's a little factually wrong, potentially. Lana disrupts the proceedings after taking a powerful cold medicine. And boy, does she ever. Boy, howdy. Indeed. Where where to start? Let me just start. You kind of talked about the omelet. Yeah. We can just gloss over that. Starts in the office... Salon on the phone. Judges find chambers. Out, judges chambers. We find out that her fiance, his name is Emerson, which is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she is pissed that he called her at work asking her what the best cheese for his omelet is at fucking 1245 in the morning. To which Judge Harry T. Stone enters and says Velveeta's the best option for an omelet because Velveeta, I guess, is a funny name for a cheese. But all cheese aside, the moment Harry T. Stone walked into his Woo! chambers was the moment what? I said, I think this is my favorite episode thus far. 
because oh, I went, whoa, is so, like that night court money started rolling in, I guess. Hell yes, because so Lana's on the phone tethered to this horrible life and just this stupid questions like she has to take care of this poor man who was shot in the head by a thug while he went out for cigarettes and just uh, not having it. And then Judge Harry <laughs> comes in on a cloud. Yeah, all sweater. denim, all denim. No joke, all Hell denim. bent on denim. Skinny, like '80s skinny. His hip points are coming through those high waisted jeans. Like so, yeah, it's, it's the, the denim where Canadian tuxedo. He's <laughs> the jeans end where the jacket starts. It's like, oh yeah, it's tailored. It's a tailored ladies denim. Uh, it not, looks. I mean, it's hip. Like a denim jumpsuit. I thought he had on a denim <laughs> one piece. Yes, jumpsuit. And it is. Pres- it's not. It's like straight out of the package. Still oh, creased. Still no wear like and tear. It is a a a tight blue denim. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Um. Oh my God, he looks good, and he's got a he's got a sunglasses skip to do to his step. Yeah. God, he like, yeah, like he, you know, you know, something's up, but really, to be honest, you tell me, did they dress him like that on purpose because they're making him kind of like the hot, like sex symbol this episode, like irresistible I think somewhat? They cooled him up. They did, right? And also we find out that he, also part of the reason he may be dressing up is that he has an interview with the National Law Review. <laughs> so I think it's just he, like when he woke up today, he's like everything's coming up Harry T. Stone. Ah, I gotcha. Because that's like the worst outfit you denim. could wear for. A, oh a yeah, lot. but he's cool, baby. Yeah, you can tell by the way he uses his walk. He's a woman's man. He's oh my god, talk. He is. So uh, yeah, he walked in. I went. I got a. I got a sneaky suspicion about this episode. Yeah, that we're we're gonna and it did not disappoint because it no. just i just kept going we we see some old dynamics that i'm more than happy to come back maybe my favorite and we've seen a guy play santa claus we've seen a great yes. guy play god this, this guy is the best it has to do with the case i i'm i'm 100 sure he is thus far my favorite external as as character he was amazing as as i saw him but like and but yeah, we'll we'll get to him. We'll get to him. All right, so we're starting off in judges' chambers, and as always in judges' chambers, eventually we get the whole cast of characters. Yeah, they yeah. all enter. So it's Lana and Harry. We find out that Lana's not feeling well, even though she yep. looks she looks TV good. He's like, yeah, Lana, you look gamey, peakish. Oh and yeah, she ha- he has a mealy, peakish, gamey, and she and. Uh, She's like, I'm sick. Yeah, she's kind of. So nasty. she's just a Christmas with the cranks this whole episode. Well, for let's say half of this episode. Uh, and then so she gets yeah, all we Jesse find Spano. out she is just ill, and so as Han said, the the cast of characters uh, sort of start rolling in, and they all have a different, just different take on how she looks. Yeah, they have a different lead in. My favorite. Is the next one that happens is Liz, because as yeah. always with Liz's humor, it's like got this awesome level of darkness. Because Liz just yeah. walks in, she looks at her, and she just goes, "Did he hit you?" 
Yes, yes. It's like that domestic abuse joke. She does have a funny joke before that about like she's like uh Harry tells Lana to go home. He's like, You're not uh uh let's He just see. gives her the go day home, off. He's get like, the day home, off, go. get in bed, and she's like, I can't yeah. do anyone any good in bed, and then that's when Liz comes in and says, What does she say? What every man wants to hear. I'm no good to you in bed. And no, she's that's just not like, what every man wants to hear. It's Oh, he's not going to believe that or something. No man's yeah. going to believe that. It doesn't matter. Uh, the hit yeah, Liz thinks Emerson hit her. Bull thinks she uh, lost a family member. You lost someone close. And then Dan just walks in and goes, oh, good God. Well, he's walking in with Selma. Back to We're back to snooty Dan. Not womanizing Dan, but back to that conservative oh, character. Yeah. He's extolling the virtues of fabrics. Of a good alpaca, alpaca on Selma. And all of Selma's jokes this episode are like non-jokes, kind of. They're just her being like, I don't like everything she says can re- be replaced with. I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah, no, he's totally. Like, You'll never underestimate a good alpaca, and she's like, I'll keep I'll that in mind. Down. Yeah, I'll write that down. Oh man, I know we're gonna we're 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 winding down on our time with Selma. Casey, do you think that? The Simpsons, Patty and Selma, are based on Selma uh, Diamond. Possible. Isn't it very possible? It's constantly smoking, just that that voice. That I think voice, it's very, constantly yeah. smoking, and then very, like... Wisecracky. Wisecracky sorta. doesn't give a shit. And one of them's named Selma. I got a feeling. I don't know where, like, that. there could be something there, don't you think? Stranger yeah, things think have so. happened. No, I think there's definitely that's definitely a possibility. Um, so yeah, so we everybody's in chambers. Uh, Harry tells Lana to go home. She doesn't want to go home. Everyone thinks she looks like crap. Uh, and then Lana gives this very passionate plea about how she she works for the court and she's here to do this business and she will not be stopped by sickness. She's gonna stay and work. And she's like, do I make myself clear? And Harry says, I understand her. Uh, this Lana walks out here. He goes, I understand her. Liz says, I pity her. And then uh, good old Bull says, oh, I touched her. But I cut to the night court intro, which I will repeat as I probably will for the next nine seasons of episodes. How much I love. But also I had a different. I'll, I'll always gain something new, I guess. The um, the actual uh, title card, Night Court, uh-huh. with the court. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me realize that uh, because I grew up and television raised me and, and how much I admire so many people that were on television, all the comedians I love, all the actors, this and that, right? All the shows I love. I put television and shows on a pedestal as though they're like these perfect things with all this thought gone into them, like. Yeah, like for instance, not this isn't tooting my own horn, or let's take. I was gonna get, go to podcast, but let's take it to jerk practice. The amount of time we would spend polishing and rewriting and working on episodes and trying to make sure every little down to the minute second of like voiceover was in the right place and this and that, mm-hmm. right? Because people yeah. are because maybe even people won't notice, but we'll know, and we want the perfect product. Because if you're gonna do something, do something right. We have. Yeah. We're going to keep watching the show, but I'm assuming it doesn't change. We have nine seasons, nine years of an episode 
with the rattiest, like worst, like blurriest title card of court yeah. with like that. Do you, or I was going to ask, and maybe our, uh, um, assistant DA Henning can chime in on this and we're back to logo talk. Like, you know, that like fuzz that's around the courthouse. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. is that something because it was transferred over the years, like to different formats or like, or that was an effect that they wanted? Like, why does that look so shitty? Do you know what I mean? Or is it yeah. just me? I think it may like be a way shaking. to gussy up a shitty picture. You know, like the source picture was such a bad. Right. Like during the day, like it was probably a picture taken during the day. Yeah. So it was like, this is the courthouse. Use it. And they're like, all right, we'll do this, do that, this effect, that effect. Okay, there you go. looks like it's night. So it's like when somebody goes on Facebook and they're going to post a picture of somebody and they go on Google, they do an image search and they end up with a low res picture and they post on Facebook and they go, oh, I didn't realize the resolution was so low. Eh, fuck it. It's a Facebook post. But they used a bad picture and just went, eh, fuck it. For nine years of like a hit TV show. Because it became iconic. I guess so. I just, I'm, I, and I, it's, it's critical, but it's really not because of how much I love it. But I just like look at it and go like, that is, I, I really want Henning to weigh on the, in on this. Because for me, who has my standards is from what all the shit I just talked tend to still be pretty low. Like I'll be yeah. the guy that posts that low res picture and just be like, who gives a fuck? But yeah, I, to a point, I do think some of it is just that, like, it's this three second thing on a TV show that who cares? We're not going to win an Oscar. Like who gives a fuck? That's honestly, I think some of it could just be the who gives a fuck. And and I guess that's where I was going. And that's okay. Like, I think it's okay to remember that like TV is still just a thing yeah. that people are human and their projects that they work at, like writers and editors and directors well, they make good art and some are considered geniuses are also just yeah. people going about their endeavors. And sometimes and not everything's like touched. They they're not they don't have the Midas touch on everything. And many times like yeah. like you and I at a restaurant job, that's just like, oh, fuck it. It's good enough. That salt pepper doesn't need to get filled. Fuck it. They do fuck, that shit, yeah. too. They totally. go, eh, fuck it. We could change well, it. But at, at some I point, go you home. get bogged down in like minutia. Which I feel like is more of a modern thing because now we can make a movie at home. Mm. Right. We can make it on our free time. So then we pour over every every single thing and then you get bogged down in like every minute thing where at some point – we know this from writing comedy. We would spend – we would spend years sometimes on a sketch just rewriting, tweaking, doing it. Right. Da, 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 da. When at the end of the day it was like stop, just do it. Get it on right. stage, get it on its feet, and do it. And then you'll see – then you'll get a real read for it. Yeah. Because we've spent a year and a half constantly rewriting, so then jokes become inside jokes, and then those inside jokes become inside-inside jokes, oh, yeah. all just for, to entertain each other. And then we get so far away from the point of what we first started that it's just, like, nonsense. And the best is when you try we've uh, uh, when we tried to get back to speaking of getting back to it we'll get back on track of the show like with those sketches where because of whatever reason printed different computers different formats you go from a Mac to a 
uh, PC, you have the file, I have the file, this or that. Do you have those notes we made? You try and get back to the time that that worked that made us say, Ooh, we should really tighten and rework this because it seemed to work pretty well here, but we could get a laugh here and here. You try and get back to that after so much time on it, you'll never get back yeah. there again. So you end up it. with just you end up with regarding Henry. You know, you do. You end up with fifteen versions of one one sketch, and you don't know why every version changed so much from the last. Because you're like, I don't know what was funny. Like, I don't. There's no. I don't have an honest read for it. I, don't I think know what I remember the what. idea behind it. All right. Uh, so that was my little spiel on the intro. All in all, I always that intro is is tops to me. It gets me yeah. excited every time. Um. All right, intro's over. We're back in court, and Lana is looking good, man. Yeah, she's Previously, jumping. She's peppy. They did, like before when we saw her hair. She was looked bedraggled, kind of. Her hair was mussed up. Her, you know, she wasn't neatly dressed, and now she's like everything's in place. Ha- hair's up in a ponytail, and she's just zipping, zipping around the courtroom, two steps ahead of the game. She Selma comes great, up to her, and she's pep. like. Selma's like, slow down. And she doesn't even answer. Like, she doesn't even hear Selma. She just goes, I feel great. Yeah. She's like, in fact, I feel so great. I feel, I feel like I could ride my bike through the park right now. She's like, and then it's great. Good old Selma. I I take it back on the Selma jokes. This is a classic Selma joke that I saw. I was like, oh, I wonder now that you and I are talking about it. Did I, I knew it was going somewhere in the direction it was going. Obviously. Did you know where it was going to hit? No. Yeah, it was good. I didn't Anyways. see where it was coming. I was just like, that's the it's a, the best part about a Selma joke is you you know when they're coming, but what's so fun about her is you don't know what it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Like every time you think you know like what her gags are, it's different. And this episode has a lot of Selma gags that I really like because they're just sort of weird. Yeah, yeah. This was, uh, she's like, I had one of those exercise bikes once. My and doctor then, told me to get one. Yeah, the doctor prescribed one. And then Lana's like, oh, yeah, one of those with the heart monitor, the little screen with the heart monitor and the blood pressure. She's like, yeah, but I had it removed. Why'd you do that, Selma? More room for the ashtray. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you're like, ah, you're like, damn it. Of course, it's about cigarettes. <sighs> she loves her cigarettes. A couple cigarette bits in here. Uh so then, uh, we're, oh, ashtray, okay. Oh, God. Uh, this is the best. The best. Okay. The this best, is... and you know what? I can even say that, like, as soon as I saw it, I went, oh, God, I'm gonna have to get, like, semi-political here. No fucking way. Nightcourt's ahead of so its times. It's good. Awesome. So good. So Harry's at, <laughs> so then we, the camera moves back to the, the bench. Harry's talking to Bull. He's basically, ah, uh, what's next? And Bull's like, well, the guy in the dress wants another strip search. Camera. Yoo-hoo! Basically. Beefy guy, bald, big, thick mustache. He's got a little green cocktail dress and little green gloves on. And he just, like, raises his eyebrows. Gives a dainty little wave. And I was like, oh, that's, like, that's so, like, the guy just looks perfect because he's, like there's a there's something unsettling about him because it's literally just a man in a dress. That's it's it. so simple. Yep. It's a nice dress glove combo. He's not wearing makeup. He's not wearing a wig. Exactly. Even if he was, he's got a big giant Tom Selleck caterpillar mustache. Yep. Uh, he looks like a teacher or a principal, and he just has a dress on with a little brooch, 
And it just like he doesn't say it, but and I was like, "Oh, you exactly." I was like, "Oh, that's like that's so many episodes of Ren and Stimpy." I mean, yeah. really, I th- I want to say you that goes back to like a Looney Looney Tunes type, yeah, like cartoon bit. Just cut over a guy in a dress, like not a little, scummy, nice no. dress, not a scummy wig. Like you could go that way and just like cigarette smeared right. makeup, gnarly wig, gross like thrift store dress no this guy when he like got a nice dress nice dress but yeah. wanted to strip search so he's comfortable uh, so but then they cut to harry stone and you're like and he just goes what a sicky sicky bull goes yeah and i was like oh boy but harry turns around he's like gloves with a cocktail dress Ugh, oh boy so he's just and like harry's just cool with everyone man we get to the real sicky hold on I have a little bit of info on the guy with the dress, and I need uh, I purposely didn't go any farther into this because I feel like you – oh, my God. I did research on uh, many of the characters in here. Um, Oh, you didn't skip Jack Riley. Oh, yeah. The man in the dress is played by a guy named Ron Feinberg. That's fine. He really pretty much did – unfortunately, he passed away in 2008. Um, But he did – he mainly did a lot of voiceover work. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't know if this is a cartoon from the image I got. It looks like a cartoon. So maybe he did voiceover work, but maybe it's like half cartoon, half live action. He was in a, a show called Hulk huh. Hogan's Rock in Wrestling. Yes. Do you know what that? I don't know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is it that? It was like an early 80s animated show in which it was like the good wrestlers were on a team. And then, yes, with little like an animated junkyard dog, they all lived in a junkyard. Yes, and they would constantly uh, were at odds with like Rowdy Pipe, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, yep. Andre the Giant, um, the the little Japanese manager that looked like uh, uh, the bad guy from the James Bond movie. Oh, okay, uh, I do remember this now very well, actually. So it's your typical sort of Hanna Barbera e like. Good guys versus bad guys show. I think it was only on one season. Yeah. And the wrestlers didn't even do the voices. Like, they didn't even get any money from the show. So it's kind of one of those sore spots. Oh, 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 even that. Like, because I was going to say there was that stint where it was like John Candy had his own animated show that he didn't do the voice for, but he did like the intro for and oh yeah yeah home alone or macaulay culkin had his own star kid star or something? kid yeah he caught a shooting star in his glove baseball glove and it granted him wishes but uh he obviously wasn't the voice but i don't even think he introed it did he uh i think both him and john candy as i recall i remember this saturday morning as a kid because it was the new season of cartoons and both he and macaulay culkin had a live intro for the okay, pilot episode of each because it was like a block it I, was star kid and camp candy yes. together because it was like the celebrity cartoon hour yeah i just remember even as a kid after my viewing of regarding henry and then this my friday my was that a sunday morning or saturday morning cartoon my friday night viewing of regarding henry and then my saturday morning into celebrity cartoon hour i was like Man, they've really taken a dip on my Saturday. Like, I remember that being a, uh, a, a sad yeah. period. It's like, where the fuck are they my weren't turtles? Fun enough. Yeah, they weren't crazy enough. There wasn't anything. Like, Camp Candy was 
This is probably a rejected sitcom. Like John right. Candy's like, I'm not doing a, a, a camp sitcom. They're like, yeah, let's make it a cartoon. Yeah, like kids. I I I'm a weird kid, so I really love John Candy. But yeah, can you? Is it because the name has candy? Like, how can you sell John Candy to a kid? Unless eh, you already like him, hard. but if yeah. you do, you want to see John Candy with Steve Martin in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, right? Right. Or you know, at a, the summer vein, <laughs> the summer house, or you don't want to see a semi likeness of John Candy voiced by the guy who voiced Bill Murray in Ghostbusters and Garfield. You know? Yeah. I'm assuming that's what the voice was. He seems to be the go-to. So that's our our man in dress, um, voice actor. Voice actor did a lot of work, and I mean, uh, I'm sure he did a lot of stuff on screen too, because he he kills his part. He's oh, in. He's it, he comes back. My and my first impression when I saw him as well was, "Here come the gallows, baby!" Yeah, and like you are about. We time. were not wrong. That's what I thought. I was like, "They are back, baby." I feel like that might have been a note. Like, where the where's our New you. York? You know. Oh, as soon as he said. That man in a dress wants another strip search. I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The night court gods are good to us. And I we didn't even know it was coming through the door. Next. It's so good. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, uh, so after Harry and, and Bull have the exchange about the sickie and then the cocktail gloves gag, uh, Bull goes, all right, bring in the clown. And then Harry gets a little dad, the <laughs> dad voice and sort of scolds uh, – bull about you can't call a man a clown like it's not doesn't be it's not befitting to the court and then uh the doors open and it is the best dirtiest serial killery lookingest <laughs> hobo clown you've ever seen emmy for makeup this episode he couldn't be more scuzzy and like he just looks perfect clowns are he freaky looks to begin amazing. with he looks like Heath Ledger's Joker. Yes. Like he's got clown makeup, but it's smeared and it's coming off and you can see his skin underneath and he's got like cheesy clothes. Like he's got street clothes, but they're like dirty and sort of fucked up. And then you find out his name. His actual name is Emil Dutton. Yeah. <laughs> which sounds like someone who keeps body parts in a fridge. <laughs> right. And then you find out. His clown name is Mr. Frufru. I know. I was thinking that same thing. I went, man in dress, Mr. Frufru? All right. But I was I like, this should be an animated show. The Night oh. Court. Uh, the Gallows. I will say, yeah, he they 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 did the makeup perfect. But I, I think you, you and I both felt the need to 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 research a little bit on who this actor was or oh and it, it in so you have all the visual yeah and he walks up just like scary as fuck you find out his name's emil dutton mr frou-frou and then uh they list off his uh what he did wrong it's gambling disorderly conduct inciting a riot assaulting an officer and then judge harry goes what no lewd conduct i was too drunk so I was like, "Fuck!" That was a great gag delivered. Like I was like, "This is this is this is it!" Like this is so perfect. But then the capper is he says that line perfect, and he's got the best deep, even-handed voice you've ever heard. No inflection, and really. Just oh, it's so good. I was too. Not even that. He was like, "I was too drunk." Because he has a line somewhere in a response where he's like, 
something Carrie says something about like a like he's like uh he says something like I got to get out of here. There's a con convention. They're unveiling a new uh, water spritzer bottle. And oh, goes, yeah. And Harry goes, what does he say? He says, I have it written down. What is it? Because his answer to it is just anything for a laugh. And I was like, yeah, Fuck. that's perfect. That was almost anything for a laugh. <laughs> I was like, that was messed up. He is the Joker. He is a he is awesome. Uh, so you hear his voice and he is an actor. And that's why. Honestly, a whole generation of people will know this man, not by, not that you could tell who he was through the clown makeup, but his voice. His name is Jack Riley. Yep. Uh, if you watch commercials in the 80s, he was the shed spread, shed spread butter guy, country croc. That was him? He was, he's the male hands in the commercial, but also he was Stu Pickles from Rugrats. He was the dad from Rugrats. Fuck, I saw Rugrats. Why didn't I see what he did in that? Of course that's the voice. Yeah. So he has 15 years of like voice work experience as Stu Pickles on top of just he's had bit parts. He like like we we're going to probably keep saying until the show's over. He is just mega talented dude working in Hollywood. Had a, a bit part on any show. He had a bit part on Seinfeld. Yeah, he had a sadly, bit part. he passed away to that last year. Um, ah, but it's so funny. I went down his IMDb, and while he wasn't like this mega star, that his body of work, like, yeah. is like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Like, I was just going down. I went, this is, I you, you don't need a Top Gun on here. You don't need, like, that one no. film that, like, that mega like you don't need that starring role he's perfect he's obviously got the chops as you can just see in here but you look at his imdb you go oh mel brooks used him in like every one of his movies Spaceballs. Yeah. oh yeah um, uh, history totally. of the world part one part two um and then he was in every sitcom i loved he's actually coming back on night court as different characters as another clown of some sort i hope it's a i hope it's a mule dutton again god yeah he was in catch 22 um he played condom boss and chairman in the board of the board. <laughs> uh, he was in an episode of Dave's World, which was the Ooh, show crossover. Cro- Harry Anderson had after Night Court. This comes up t- again, and I didn't even know it was a thing. There was a Harry and the Hendersons TV show, and not only was our friend Jack Riley the sad clown in it, but also our friend Bostwick. Lionel Mark Smith was also in Harry and the Hendersons TV show. A little bit of a crossover. Uh, I don't know, man. Like it can't can't be said. Jack enough. Riley, he, man. He was Bud the Chud in Chud Two. He's Bud so, the Chud, so good. He like, just if if you see him and hear him, you'll you'll recognize him immediately. He's always got killer small parts. Always super funny. Very dry delivery, but his voice is so expressive. Like he just has this crank look on his face and just this short quippy it's always great and he kills it as frou-frou yeah we never do like uh at the end of our episodes we never do like a would you watch this one again wouldn't da, da, da. like watch if you listen to the show for some reason don't really watch it you watch this episode for him it's like it's it's just worth it for that reason because it's just like this it's just Per, it's like a sick there's a ton it's, of it's, it's, it's worth your time it's a great episode it's a great it's a great role it's like oh my god why you watch a sitcom just because 
it it has everything you'd want from a situation comedy. There, it's just structured so well and paced so well. There's jokes every couple minutes, and they're not forced. They're just earned, and like there's goofy care. It's just great. Yeah, the gamut, visual, verbal, uh, um, and since we're in the gallows, well, maybe I think we're there. He's got a couple ladies uh, sitting behind him in the gallows. Yeah. Uh, after he, so he does that lewd conduct. I was too drunk. Uh, Dan just fucking cock of the walk, just cocky walks up, daintily throws the uh, the the file folder down. I have witnesses. I have photos. Oh, yeah, right. Duh. The man prosecution photo. rests. Um, and then uh, Liz, he turns to Liz and goes, "What are we gonna do, baby?" And oh, she goes, yeah. "You're dis, you're disgusting." And he's like, "Stick around, and I'll show you why everybody loves a clown." <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you. I was like, "Oh bits. God!" It involves his dick. I bet. Ugh. Uh, and then Liz freaks out on the clown. Like, this is the beginning of we're seeing the downside of the wonder drug because they're talking, and she freaks out on the clown because he's a disgrace to clowns. He's a disgrace. To the badge oh. that squirts water in your face. And I will say, like, wow, everyone at this time, like, holds clowns and clowning and in very oh, high, high esteem. Oh, my God. I didn't know that was a thing ever. <laughs> I know. Like, Dan Fielding, like, to be a clown is to be a this uh, is like upstanding a, member of our society and a f- has a Franco responsibility sort of look of clowns like Jerry, like the way the French look at Jerry Lewis. Right. Like, I was like, I don't recall ever hearing anybody talk about like this sort of social contract of clowns, the sanctity of clowns. In fact, <laughs> clowns are a pejorative. You're a clown. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so she f- just is freaking out at him about about his image and about how he's it's bad for kids. His image doesn't help kids. And then he doesn't say little bastards, but he's like, the little bastards can suck on George Washington or Ivanhoe because they're dead. What is the Ivanhoe they want part heroes. of that reference? I don't know, but I loved – I was like, what a weird pull, but it's perfect for this dirty clown who hates kids to just – if they want a real hero, why don't they – Go suck on Ivanhoe. Like, <laughs> I, like, does that mean money? Like, go, no, it's like, a car- it's a suck book. on a coin. Like, you think you mean just suck on the corpses? Like, if that's what they want, go find your know. own role model, like yeah. George Washington or Ivanhoe. Oh man, I was. I'd and love why, to write. You know for why those guy. those? Uh, oh, same here. God, there, there we go. We got a new new character. Got if a, I did a, a spec script, you better character. believe. Doctor Fru Fru would be in it. <laughs> Although, who so yeah, playing? he he clearly has no regard for. It. He's like, I don't give a shit about kids. I don't give a shit about being their hero. So, and then Lana freaks out again. So there's a a, a meeting of the minds at the bench, and they're uh, they're trying to figure out what's wrong with Lana. What's the deal? And then Dan goes, "Could be rabies. My roommate in college had that." Liz is like, what happened to your roommate? He died. He He, uh, started chasing sports cars and was run over. And they're like, oh, no. He's like, I'm kidding. It was the rabies. He's he's dead. It was the rabies. I was like, oh, my God. That (laughs) second beat? That's a jerk practice joke. 
Oh, totally. Right? Yeah. I was yep. like that. That that's like it was very unfeeling. Just kidding. Like, I was he's, like, that's a dead. fucking From the dark rabies, joke. It's so funny. Like that second part. Yeah. Like because you could end with that first part. Yeah. Because that's a cheesy kind of dad joke. Like with Jason Cars, he got hit. He had rabies. Yeah. No, he's dead because no. of rabies. Killed. No, I'm like, kidding. No, he's actually dead from rabies. I liked that joke a lot. Yeah, I wrote that one down. And then we get old Dr. Fru-Fru pipes up because they're at the bench. And he's like, hey, I got a seltzer seminar in the morning. Can we hurry this up? Uh, they're going to teach me to hit people from 30 feet. And Harry is like, oh, really? You still like that? He's like, anything. That's when you do anything for a laugh. Anything for a laugh. So he's got a <laughs> clown has a meeting in the morning and he needs to get out of court. They, uh, uh, so they're just discussing what to do. And then Lana goes staple fight and starts shooting staples. Yeah. She's just going nuts. Right. So the court's becoming a sort of madhouse now as this clown's arguing with everybody and she's shooting. And then we get a, a much hallowed return to the gallows. Yes, sir. Uh, with, uh, two of the best sort of just New York bag lady, homeless, maybe crazy. Yeah, just uh, the galas are back. I and, and as crazy enough, I was so enamored with one that I recognized one of them, and two that they just looked gallows perfect. But what yeah. do they say? Like this place is crazy. The one goes, "This place is a circus." Oh yeah, and then the one next door yeah. goes, "Great seats though." Yeah, and the woman that says "great seats though," oh yeah, you might know her as the grossest character on TV. Max Mom from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh shit! It's Max Mom. That's yep. why I recognized her. Oh, that's the best. There you go. She, she. If you haven't seen that show, I recommend it. I love that show. But as far as like that, Always Sunny in Philadelphia is the Jack Riley clowns of sitcoms. It's so unapologetically gross, and Max Mom tops that list as just a disgusting. Like Max she's Mom. just like Philly. Like, oh, she's so gross in that show. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. She's got, like, a mustache. She's always smoking. <laughs> uh, so then, yeah, we Fru-Fru asks about the case. Dan tells him it's postponed till after lunch. Whatever happened uh, to a quick... Whatever happened to a speedy trial. And then Dan gets all sassy with the clown and that- leans into him all smug and like you you're a disgrace to children or whatever and lands everywhere like and really then hurt jet of water right in Dan's face acid like two face acid yeah uh, and he's, it's like how about that for laughs i think uh mr frufru is scarier than heath ledger's joker yes he would have been too. god he would have been good we should cut him in to a trailer like just do our own for, Dark Knight trailer night. that's just frou-frou? Yeah. Anything for a laugh. Anything for a laugh. God, you could do that shit. Some men just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm st- I'm stealing that character. We have to. Keep him alive. Uh, then uh, that's when we cut to commercial break. We come back. Uh, we are in the judges chambers and we're full on loopy Lana. Yeah, she's out of it uh just looking good feeling good free and easy uh she doesn't the only person they can call to help her is uh harry's on the phone with her doctor and they're like we gotta call emerson she's like don't call emerson she's feeling too good 
She says, don't like, then you start getting a little disturbed about her relationship with Emerson. Cause she's like, don't call Emerson. He hates it when I'm happy. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's Life? getting weird. You, oh yeah. Mean? This is just, this is just Harry and Lana in chambers. So yeah, he is like, what do you want to do? Lana? She's getting a little loopy doopy. He wants to call Emerson. She doesn't want him to. Cause she, as Han said, Emerson hates when she has a good time. And then she starts finger in the robes. Horny, Lorny. Horny, Lorny. 80s woman. Yeah. Uh, so she starts 80s. fingering the robes, and, and Harry, you can see, is, is getting uncomfortable. And then she plants one. I was right getting on. uncomfortable. It's real. Because uh, it is just that uh-oh. awkward, like, this is sexy. Like, she grabs the fringe of the robe and, like, runs her hand down the whole thing. But it's still wrong. But it's wrong. Like, you, like, she's drunk or on drugs you know yeah, like yeah so she's doing a good job of playing off like the loopiness so she grabs hair and they start making out and of course that's when the gang enters as they're kissing and oh, good yeah. old fielding again just goes no because harry pulls away and looks and has a look of shock and he goes no let me guess this wasn't what it appears and then Lana just turns around and goes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> She's got like that throaty, like, what are you, like, uh, over-actressy, like Broadway, like, yeah. I'm a star, which you'll see her uh, singing later on. Uh, so then, I think that's when we go to commercial, actually, because everybody's in there and then they're all hanging out. Judge is yep. on the phone with the doctor. Lana's literally climbing the walls at this point. Like, she's climbing the bookcase. Yeah, he's on the laughing. phone with the doctor, and the doctor's like, she might act erratic. I'm like, she's tripping. What does she take, Dramamine? A whole packet of yeah. drama? Like, she's tripping balls. She's climbing on talking, the walls. Yeah. And she's doing that and, like, singing and just being weird. And they're all sort of – everyone else is sitting there uncomfortably. And here's talking to the doctor. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I guess bizarre behavior is uh, not too strong of a word for the side effect. So we go and then Harry is talking to the doctor and listing off – he lists off all the side effects and Dan says something to the effect of like, oh, did they have acting like an ape? To my to my response was, who's the writer that is in the writing room that writes specifically for Dan Fielding who loves uh, King Kong? And Donkey Kong, like King Kong jokes. Yeah. This is like the fourth episode out of the With nine the King, we've watched yeah. that have had King Kong climbing up a building references to Bull. I think it was two to Bull and one to Lana. Three to Bull, one to yeah. I don't know. And it's all delivered by Fielding. And she, Lana even has a gag when she's crawling. She crawls from the door to the window and she leans off the edge of the bookcase and is like, I think I can get to the Chrysler building from here or something to the, oh, the yeah, effect. Oh, yeah, she does say Chrysler. And is that the building that King Kong climbs? No, I, he climbs the Empire State Building. He may climb the Chrysler building in the 70s, King Kong. Um, so, yeah, she's acting like a loon, ape, the ape gag. And then there's a knock on the door and we open the door. And then this is what Hans and I mentioned before. This is when we meet the young gentleman from the, the law review. Right. He enters. They open the door and you're like, that's fucking Emerson. Exactly. Just young man needed a pin, like attractive African-American dude, nice suit. And you're like, that has to be because we talked about episodes ago. It was like her boyfriend has to Emerson has to be like 
handsome and put together exactly. despite all the shit she talks about him. So that's why I was like, that's fucking Emerson. He's going to be a good dude. But then you yeah. go like, this guy could make an omelet. Oh, God, we yeah. have a regarding Henry situation. Yeah, but this guy he looks like he knows what he's doing. We quickly find out it's Bostwick from the Law Review. Uh-huh. And yep. to which, as soon as he introduces, Lana offers him a grape soda, which I was like, oh, yep. boy, that's a bit spicy. Ooh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> my head's in the gutter. My head's <laughs> my head's with the Hendersons. So they uh, try to get everybody is going to leave so here it can do this very important interview. And Lana still loopy refuses to leave because Harry said she could stay when she was sober and because she did all the work to get to everything, set everything done. up. Yep. So Harry does feel obligated to have her stay because she did in fact set this up. Right. And organize everything. So uh, they try to sit down and try to do the interview, but Lana, it's too loopy. Uh, it's making it all about her. Harry's like, could you just sit quietly? And that sets her off. That seems to be the catalyst for all the problems with her and Emerson is she's like, that's what Emerson always tells me to be quiet, sit still. And then that just goes into like, that's what he does. He's a nerd. Like we find out he's smart. He's into politics. He's like a Volvo. He's reliable. That's her description. He's reliable. He's not exciting. Um, which, yeah, that part where she was like, he just wants me to sit quietly. I was like, fucking, ugh. That makes yeah. me sick. Yeah, now it's like, who is this, Emmerich? Like, we have to meet this guy, right? I don't know if we will, because we like, have a short-lived Lana life. Is he is he like Vera from Cheers? Like, much talked about, never seen, Norm's wife? They better, they better start working on his character then, even if he's off screen, because... Just the fact that he's boring and doesn't know how to make an omelet. Like they get, they better start. They better start uh, putting a, a uh, yeah. What's it called when you uh, put something? Oh my god, I'm an idiot. You have a board and you put a word in the middle and you start. Oh, the, the brainstorming idea tree or whatever. God, I'm yeah, a moron. <laughs> I, well, how, Casey, how do you make an omelet? How do how do ideas come? Oh God, uh, em- uh, Bostwick, real quick. I guess uh, I mean it's not much, but again, I like all the great characters here. Uh, Lionel Mark Smith passed away in uh, passed away in two thousand eight. I want to say, unfortunately, too soon. Can we just? But change he was the in Magnolia. To... He was oh, in no State shit. and Maine. He w- he had the same, not quite as illustrious, but that same like was in. All these great sitcoms, did a lot of voiceover work. He was in Harry and the Henderson show. And, oh, shoot, I can't think of his name. It's it's too spicy now. I guess it's not, but he was on Good Times as, like, Jukey or something. Oh, you know? <laughs> Jukey. Very of the time, then, is what you're saying. Yeah. Because uh, he has one of my favorite... Uh, back and forth bits in in the episode as well with Harry and I, I, I oh yeah I think we're I, I know you know which one I'm talking about uh, yeah. but it's in it's in a moment so sorry go ahead uh no so Lana's doing her screed about not being respected in the office and Harry's trying to calm her down and she's just like I'm just office equipment to you I'm just office equipment and uh I believe that's when you when Bostwick and him have that back and forth and he's like no, it it's when do, he comes back. When they come back. Okay. So Lana, this is another. She tears out into the hallway and Selma's just hanging out. 
just walking walk in the halls. Like, yep. Selma's one of those people who's had that job for so long. She knows where to exactly be. At exactly one thirty-five, she walks the hall for twenty minutes. Like, yeah, she's her day is like nobody can find her. To avoid, like she, if she worked in a place, she knows all the spots where the cameras are and where yes. she can stand to be out of out of the cameras. Of cameras eye. Smart. Work smart, yeah. not hard. Exactly. So he so just runs just, by her. He goes, "Selma, nice suit." What? No, at first, no, because uh, Lana runs out and goes, "I hate men." And of course, Selma's like, "Me too." Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> and then Harry just walks by and goes, "Nice suit," and she just kind of gives him a look like, "Meh." <laughs> I hate you. When she said, I hate you. But she just says, thanks. <laughs> yeah. she says, thanks. I hate you. To which she uh, runs it. Uh, Lana then makes her way into the court, to which the yes, clown is sitting this. alone in the jury's, in the juror's box. Cigarette Smoking dangling a cigarette. And Lana's just muttering to herself, like, my mother said I should never move to New York City. It's full of creeps and degenerates. Yeah. Kick it to, kick it to Fru-Fru. Says, uh. I haven't worn under underwear since the late sixties. <laughs> and he's sitting there in the jury box with his arms stretched over two seats beside him, cigarette dangling out of his mouth. So she says that and then moves into like we always talk about with how state like how well set up the show is. She bursts into the courtroom, is muttering to herself about how New York's full of degenerates and creeps. She walks in and the camera follows her and he's just sitting there yeah, he's just like there. he doesn't move in she moves into his space and she says creeps and degenerates and he's just i haven't worn underwear since the 60s late 60s and you're just like yes and then she grabs a cigarette out of his mouth and she says i bet your lungs are as disgusting as everything else and throws, throws a c- on the cigarette on the ground to which harry comes in and the clown just unfazed just goes she took my cigarette and Harry just picks up. This is how you know the gallows. This is, the this is how you know oh, it's night yeah. court. There's just a bunch of cigarettes on the ground. He, he picks goes, up a handful of cigarette butts, basically. On the courtroom floor. And just and says, puts I think this one is yours. <laughs> I didn't see that gag coming. I just thought Fru-Fru would rock the broken cigarette. Oh, right. Or even like eat the cigarette butt just to gross him out. But I do like the fact that Harry grabbed a handful of old cigarette butts and just sort of sprinkled them on the jury box. Night Court is Watertown, South Dakota. We grew up in a night court. Yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, it's, uh, it's a dirt city, man. It's just crusty. Dirt city. It it was like, it was like, uh, Meg and I went camping over the weekend and, uh, because of like where you and I grew up a little bit in the sticks, a little like. So for whatever reason, it was like the season or I don't know if that's what you call it, but like ticks were, there were a lot of ticks Ugh, and yeah. So, yeah, they're gross. Right. But at the same time, like just have a tick on me, just go, well, fucking tick, go, pull yep. it out, throw it, yeah. tick on the dog, pull it out, throw it. She's yeah. didn't grow up in dirt city. So she finds a tick Not, on herself. And honey, you like, ain't used to ticks. is disgusting. Like she was oh, freaked yeah. out the rest of the trip. Right. Cause are there ticks in the bed? Are there more ticks on the dog? Is this and that? Like. Because ticks could potentially alter your life forever, you get oh, Lyme's yes. disease or something. But uh, other, but in Dirt City, you just eh. This tick looks like yours. Well, that's the thing about Dirt City: the actual ticks in South Dakota aren't the the ticks that transmit Lyme's disease. Oh, really? It's a different type of tick. They're not the deer um, ticks. No, they're a different kind. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, I don't because I don't recall. Anyone I knew growing up getting Lyme's disease, but having lived in New York 
for 10 years, I'd met a handful of people who'd gotten Lyme's disease. My old, my boss, Cal from, from Rye, literally like went on a fucking weekend trip. He didn't want to go on. Someone threw a fucking Frisbee into some tall trees. And that was the only time he was outside. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get it. Got one tick bite while he was in there once and got Lyme's disease. And is that something you carry with you forever? It's one of those things that comes and goes. Like I know it's sometimes neurological. Your, your body can kill it and it goes away. But sometimes it'll like he's better now, but he had times where it was really bad and then it would flare up seasonally and he'd just feel like garbage. Ugh. And he's like his face would get not like he had that like palsied side of his face for a bit. Fuck. But I think over time your body can combat it and you take some drugs. But I don't think it ever truly leaves your system. So what do you what do you do this this is because now I'm like, well fuck. Because we all had ticks on us. What do you do in the future to prevent getting ticks on you? I think you just use like you know, like the off, off and shit tick stuff. Just just be you know. Because I don't think he caught it till late because it was in his sock. Right. He didn't realize it until later. So he had a big old nasty, like it, it was in there. and flared up like right away. Like he knew yeah. it was bad the next day. Like if it, you guys are sore. If, yeah. I'm sure your guys are fine. I, well, what, what can you do now? Well, not Meg. Not you, Dirt City, you, you're fine. Oh, Meg. Oh, yeah. Hold I, that, that choice like, ooh, she's from Boston. That city, city blood. I have all the immunity from all the time spent in dog shit rooms. Nothing can defeat me. <laughs> Speaking of dog shit rooms, um, uh, I, I, I think just did you notice that one time this might be going back actually or it's coming up, but it was so small you might have missed it. And it makes me just go, oh, I wish Night Court was in the time of deleted scenes because there's a moment yes. where the you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. The guy in the dress is behind yep. Bull, and there's a quick cut, but right before the cut, he reaches up, so there's about to be an inter- There was an interaction. Oh, Something happened in the script God, with the guy, the man in the dress, and Bull, and it's just cut, lost forever. But Oh, they- yeah, we I guess we were about to hit the part, so after Harry gives Fru-Fru the, the mountain of cigarette butts, Lana's shouting at Harry about how she's like a, a free woman, oh, and she yeah. needs to live her life. And as she's talking, she's backing up to the court doors and just talking about how she's a woman and she needs to embrace life. And as she's backing up, we see uh, the man in the dress walk in and we realize that dude is as tall, if not taller than Bull. Oh, yeah. So it's basically Bull, bald Bull in a dress. Yeah. Yeah. So she she's backing up and her last line is... uh, I was built to have children. And then she bumps into uh, a cross-dressing bull and he just, I envy you. <laughs> and then, um, he, yeah, so he says, she says, I was built to have children. My doctor told me so. He says, I envy mm-hmm. you. Why didn't I write it down? And then the judge walks up to him, right? And he yeah. feels the judge's robe. Oh, yeah. And he knows exactly what the material is. makeup of his robe is. And it's just like breathes very well, I bet, or something to the effect. Yeah, uh, and I and I think that's like kind of where it ends. He just goes, "Thanks," but uh, that's a very like sort of Ed Wood, right? Just like yes, that '50s '60s cross dresser 
trope and maybe a thing, but just like I do it because of the feel. Right. It's not like a sexual thing, although we did see him on another strip search. So yeah, right. But he wanted he wanted to mate with Bull. Yeah, before cross dressing got all sexualized and prostituted up in the eighties. I just, just feel like good that men was ha- wearing dresses. Good men wearing comfy clothes. Like that just made me think of like Ed Wood in particular, like that movie, which I love. It's one of my it's up there for me as far as movies go, with just he just in that movie, Ed Wood explains the reason he's a cross dresser, the reason he likes wearing women's clothes is is sort of the tactile thing and it like risque feeling like yeah almost exhibitionist maybe yeah. for this guy maybe more so that it's i've seen i haven't seen a lot of it so maybe uh people listening are like way beyond so i've seen a few episodes of that show Trampa- transparent and it's great yeah but early yeah. on when he's like he's not even considering transitioning, but just as a feel like he just rents a hotel room and Bradley, it's a episode with him and Bradley Whitford. It's great because they meet and they realize they both like wearing women's clothing or maybe potentially both want to be women. So they just get hotel rooms and they act like our bald bull in a dress. Like they just get dressed up, gussied up, feel like like a woman, have womanly or have female conversations, like feminine conversations. So good. I can't like those two together. In dresses in a hotel room? Fuck you. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Bradley Whitford's talk about a uh, Jack Riley-esque list of oh, that uh, dude's awesome. of uh, of credentials. Bradley Whitford, he's just been killing it for too long. <laughs> in fact, I was looking up something. I needed a, a quote for something. And I was looking up for spiritual quotes. And it went, yeah. Thich Nhat Hanh, which is a, uh, mm. a, uh, a Vietnamese Buddhist monk. Buddha. Actually, Siddhartha, and then Bradley Whitford. And, what? and I went with Bradley Whitford, but it was yeah, harder to do. explain. This is from Bradley Whitford. You know, Billy Madison? West Wing, anyone? Anyone a West oh, Wing fan? I still have never seen one episode of West Wing. I know you, should, you I think Ashley you'd really say it's great. like it. Especially since you're reading Team Arrivals. Do it. Do it. It's, it's They're so watchable, and it's just quippy and... It's totally worth it. I've been good. The only, uh, not that it's good. I, I tried to back away from TV because I realized I hadn't read it. Speaking of books, I hadn't read a book in yeah. a month. That just I've happens sometimes. To... I was like, I could I could use, I'm feeling a little br- mushy. I could use uh, a book. So I put away the TV and just like uh, if you're trying to stop drinking or something, always a good event comes up. And today I was like, there's a, yeah. House of Cards is out, oh, baby. Oh shit! I know. Yeah. So I'll I'll do some House of Cards and then throw it, put it away, and then maybe the next thing will be West Wing. And I Cleanse haven't seen Mad Men because it's going to be Bad White House, and then West Wing is like idealism. Oh, really? These are good people trying to do good things. Was West Wing Clint Clintonian era, or it was Bush? Bush. It was so W. He, Bush. Uh, yeah, um, Martin Sheen is a democratic president basically for the time of the uh, Bush. Well, Bush was in the white house. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So it's cool. Cause it kind of, it doesn't directly play off current events, but they, they do sort of kind of mirror events and use things that are actually being done in, in actual America. And then sort of like, how would our democratic president handle something like X, Y, or Z? Oh, that's really interesting. 
Which uh, is kind of – it's a good show, but also why the show had such a huge following because people were just like, I want President Bartlett, not Bush. I think uh, uh, just on this, it's a weird plug, but it's not. If you want to kind of in reality and contemporarily have that feeling as – uh, the Republicans and the conservatives are really messing with health care bills and what conservatives and Donald Trump are doing with the government right now. If you want an alternate feeling of what might be happening if a more liberal left minded uh, government would be doing, you can listen to this week's episode of um, Pod Save America with Elizabeth Warren. And she talks oh, about wow. all her all her. I, I just she's i love her so much she is maybe one of the most powerful women in washington which makes yeah. her potentially one of the most powerful women on the, in the rise world. yeah and she has is brilliant and she's well spoken and that goes without saying of course you know she what she was president of harvard or the harvard law review maybe something to that I effect. Believe so yeah yeah um but she uses words like oh fiddlesticks and like fiddle faddle i was like that's that's Great. bizarre but she, um, I love so it. it. It's very Link, Lincoln esque of of her to like yeah. not curse, but to have a like affect. Like she's smarter than using curse words. Yeah, she's like talking about healthcare and like her proposal about like bringing drugs in from Canada because it'll, uh, if we do that, the drugs in Canada are literally cost twenty times less. And if we lift the, uh, uh, would be a tariff or the restrictions on that, yeah, automatically, like. Hundred yeah. million more people could have health care, uh, or what, whatever that number is. But then she's like, "Is that donkeys in the corner?" It's, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, the the Dunkin' thing is that that's the only reason I wouldn't vote for her because Dunkin' Donuts coffee is fucking disgusting. Yeah, it'll do though. You get hey, in a pinch, twenty-seven ounces for a buck. It'll do. Yeah, but when that they you get busted and they lift that buck price, you're like, "What the fuck is this water?" For four dollars, true. Oh yeah, if you were, I'm if you're stealing paying... your salt packets. Oh yeah. Uh, off track. Save America. So yeah, we. Uh, uh, she says the I was, doctor say I was can have children. Our man in the dress. I envy you. Uh, and then Lana starts singing. She goes into oh. her song and dance number. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then she. Singing and moves past Bill and Bull and Harry goes, Bull, Lana, and points. And Bull just goes, yeah. Yes. Great bit. But I, I got I, I to gotta stop you because there was something that jumped out at me at that shoeshine man. Yes. Spanish he man. Not- all in maroon, matching yep. maroon hat, yellow, yellow um, apron. I was like, that guy... There's something to that guy. So as I'm doing research, I see that it says uh, Eugene Jackson, uncredited mm-hmm. shoeshine man. I said, well, all right, this is worth delving into because we have we had a long discussion about the shoeshine boy. And it's not a child, by the way. It's oh, it's a not. Man. It's a man. So much so, it's, a, it's the oldest man in the episode. His name's Eugene Jackson. He... Played the char- He's well known as playing the character of Pineapple in Hal Roach's Little Rascals Our Gang shorts. Shut up. He was a rascal? He was a rascal, and he's uncredited in this episode. At one point, he was known, <laughs> uh, known and billed as 
Hollywood's most famous colored kid star. This guy's been hustling since 1923. Sadly, he's passed. But, um, yeah, I don't have much more than that, but it's amazing how she just goes by this guy who, you know, I mean, at one time was like, one of I don't know what to say. Obviously, that's country, a horrible description, world, but like known to everyone. Yeah. He's the most famous Negro child in America. Exactly. Like weird shit like that. And his but, name was Pineapple. And then, you know, and, and I'm sure he was like touted around Hollywood and like he's one of the rascals and kind of, you know, living it up when that's people really were really poor, like, like through the Depression. And do some like, research on like, I haven't thought about the little rascals in a long time, but it's an interesting time in history that because where I work, they play on the projector. They play a lot of just silent uh, comedies like Buster Keaton and Fatty Arbuckle. Yeah. So you just like I zone in and out watching them and they're so interesting because like those guys were the most famous people in the world. Oh, yeah. Like, But and then they quickly, boom, like fell off the map. To give way to the Marx Brothers, who at a time were the most famous people in the world. And then, boom, they just fell off the map because somebody else. Like, just, there was that such a huge turnover between silent movies to talkie movies and then that talkie to color and, like, the TV radio era. Like, if you don't make that transition, you just, boom. Which is no different than now if you can't transition, but. Yeah, I guess you'll, well, will you see that? Like, I, because the only comparison would be, like. Somebody that couldn't transition from a network position, network show or network yeah. uh, celebrity to an online streaming celebrity. Uh, I guess Jim Belushi. Or, uh, right? Isn't that Jim Belushi? Who's the unfunny one? Jim. Okay. Not not to not to knock on old Jim. According not to, to hit Jim, Jim yeah, in the yeah. nuts with the doorknob. But well, he's um, going to come knocking, dressed as a haggard clown. Uh, he, uh, um, oh, but then there's also something very bizarre about how the biggest stars in the world, you know what? It's Mm -hmm. not because it happened in our lifetime, how the biggest stars in the world were eight year old kids, but that happened with Macaulay Culkin that happened with, um, I don't know, Abigail Breslin. I guess it's on a different scale. That fucking, what's his name? Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I feel like the world is... Like, to be an eight-year-old celebrity in 1923? I keep thinking about as Shirley Temple. As opposed to Temple. 1983? Right. Like, I feel like if Macaulay Culkin was in our gang, he'd have died in a gutter. <laughs> yes. Just because, you know what, I, like, it's just harder. It was a harder time. And there, the celebrity carries you so much less. Oh, my you God. You can't float by on that like you can't couldn't still be macaulay culkin in the 50s if you were in our gang because no one would give a fuck there is no you hear about the little rascal or our gang curse there is no our gang curse there's just the great depression so there were these kids that were making hal roach and all these people a lot of money and then times got tight and the kids were like what now? And they're like, I don't fuck you. Like I, I need to eat. He, the the arguing curse was humanity. Man's inhumanity yeah. to man. To man. You did true, what you yeah. did. You can't do it for me anymore. I'm hungry. See you later. And then all and those also, kids like, who were yeah. on these pedestals, like that's what creeps me out. Shirley Temple was fine. 
Uh, she she lived a long and illustrious life. The R gang kids got like like Alfalfa got stabbed in a bar over like yeah. a twenty dollar bet. You know, like oh, it God. just is so bizarre. But uh, you see Shirley Temple in like nineteen twenty five, and she's got a fur coat on, and she's getting out of a Rolls Royce, and there's something like just very kooky about that because you see her movie, and she's such a little kid, but she's yeah, sure. I don't surely t- I, 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 we can go down the rabbit hole. Senator. Her, like she kept it on the up and up. Like yes. she was like, I don't do movies anymore. I'm going to be a California. Senator. Well, that, that's because you see her movies and she's like eight and she's so articulate and yeah, br- she's like, she's on that weird level. She's probably got some kind of, you, you saying she's not a Macaulay Culkin or a Corey Feldman. You take a look at Macaulay, Macaulay, Senator Culkin, Senator Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Let uh, Kieran Culkin. I stood behind Kieran Culkin at a Kmart. You know, like <laughs> I don't know. Again, what a tangent. Oh no, old pineapple. Let's not forget yeah. old uncredited. Even he didn't have wow. an agent to get his fucking name in the credits. Do you think he was shining shoes at the actual MGM lot, <laughs> and they're like, ah, "We need somebody." It used to be a kid. It used to be a kid actor, right? Get over here. But do you think like so on a set like that? It, that's like your gem, though. Yeah. Like you end up talking to him, like, "Hey, how you doing? What's your I name?" I would hope so. Eugene? That would be amazing. And then you go like, "Oh, what else you do, Eugene?" And then he goes like, "Well, I was in uh, all of Hal Roach's R gangs." Like what? Like in night like fifty years yeah. ago? Yeah, yeah. It was pineapple. Then you just I hear would the talk st- to that guy for fucking ever. You could. I'm sure that guy's got so many stories. Just because uh, he's lived a full life. Well, it's like I um, I love the Marx Brothers. I was reading a, a biography of them, and mainly about Groucho. But when they were at like the height height of their fame, they were filming uh, One Night in Casablanca. Yeah. And because uh, Groucho Marx is such an insufferable prick, <laughs> right. he, he hired uh, Buster Keaton to write gags for them. Oh, no. And at this time, Buster Keaton was like late 40s, 50s, like definitely like Buster Keaton is like an old football player. Like because he'd been doing all of those physical comedy gags since he was like literally three years old. Yeah. So his body was just breaking down because he was just getting knocked around and falling down and like no stunt doubles. Like he did all of those things were actual like. 500 pound frames of houses crashing down around him like he could have died if he was a one foot to the left or one foot to the right so he's like balding and faddish he's like like the bass vocalist from the temptations who all the dancing the temptations did he ended up in a wheelchair oh god (laughs) it's just like fuck all right go ahead i'm sorry so they have buster keaton like before them like the most other than chaplin like the funniest man comedian of the silent film era and some people argue he's even better than charlie chaplin so he's on the set and they like groucho just hired him to write jokes which he doesn't really write jokes he never really was like a a gags guy right so he would pitch these like physical gags where it was like they have a fake camel and it's loaded with stuff and then harpo will put a, a feather on it and the camel will collapse and groucho just Called him out in front of the the entire set and just dressed him down. I heard for about being this. a hack and just God, like you write this. this shit. And I was just ah, oh, it broke my heart because it's Buster. Like 
sit down with the guy, talk to him. Like, just hire him because he's one of you. What he's been in the trenches. In Groucho Marx's life that made him is he just like because he's I love him. He's so fucking funny. I don't need his, but the stories of he's the Chevy Chase of that era. Yeah, no, he is the atypical comedian. He is so petty. He petty. is so much like he thinks he's smarter than everybody in the room. And in some cases, he probably is because he's very sharp. He's very witty, but he he can't turn it off. Think of all the collaborate like that attitude. Think of all the collaborations that didn't happen because of it. Like I, I think I talked to you. I saw him on. Um, oh God, who's that? <laughs> who's that? In he's. Uh, I love him. Uh, Dick Cavett. I saw yeah. Groucho Marx and Truman Capote on Dick Cavett. Two oh, brilliant, gosh. sharp minds. Yeah, yeah. And Caddy, fucking, just a bunch of bag of cats. Yeah, they could <laughs> not <laughs> just yeah. And then I heard, like, he just couldn't, like, Truma Capote was putting these zingers, kind of these effeminate, like, innuendos. And then Marx kept trying to top him. Like, because Truman Capote is very smart in, like, the academic sense. Right. He could really throw the names around. Like, he can, like, mm, quip at a cocktail party. And And I feel like Marx was anticipating that, so it really felt like a full house gag where he studied before the party. Like that episode oh, with man. Jesse studying before the party. Cause he kept trying to drop like names. But if you're doing that in front of somebody like Capote, who's so quick and intelligent, he just would take that, wrap it around, associate it with something and then volley it back to Marx. Who was like, who didn't have the answer queer? for it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> no, he was such a, he just like, he wanted to be high society. He wanted to be seen as an intelligentsia. Like he, yes. he wanted to be one of the best things, which is such poetic justice. He wanted nothing more in the world is to be in the Algonquin Club. Right. Like, yeah. Which is just the meeting place of New York high society, art, literature, finance. Like it's the most exclusive club at the time. And he wanted to get admitted in. And they refused his admittance because no one liked him. He was a fucking prick. Exactly. But you know who they who did get it? Harpo. Harpo was admitted to the Algonquin Club because he was cool. Yeah, he I was heard about fun. That. He made everybody laugh. He didn't make fun of anybody. And he was like a classically trained like speaking of clowns, clown. Like back when there was ref- reverence for a clown. So they invited him because they thought he was an they he was an artist. Like they saw the art and his physicality and his comedy. Whereas Groucho is just a fucking skunk. Like, nah. <laughs> uh, uh, apparently there's a great book about Harpo Marx written by his son, who's really introspective in his life. And apparently he was just a cool, good dude, like you're saying. Oh, that's and it. And then he was. on Groucho Marx, like he, re- like, he, not only the collaborations, all the opportunities he missed because he was such a prick. I remember he wouldn't do anything with Cosby back when Cosby wasn't a socio-rapist. Uh, because Cosby smoked better. The studio provided Cosby better cigars than Marks. Like that kind of petty shit. Talk about shit. He's worse than this clown. Yes. Um, So yeah, we'll get so Lana's singing and dancing. She goes up to the shoe shine thing, singing some more of this song. We see pineapple, which is cool (laughs) that we know pineapple. I hope we see him again. Uh, I know. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> so then Lana takes off down the hallway. And speaking of should be at the Algonquin Club for clown antics, 
Lana tears down the hallway, just singing and dancing again. Uh, Selma's just sitting there smoking, watches her zip by, and then she uh, fires... uh, (laughs) Selma's just smoking. Lana's doing this dumb singing and dancing, passes by, and then Selma finishes her cigarette and just, perfect arc, just flicks her cigarette into the middle of the floor. Right in the perfect spot for Harry to tromp on past, and he looks on confused, and she just goes, "Thanks." Yeah, she just timed it perfect. She's that's that's how you want to live your life, man. Work smart, not hard. She's just yeah. chilling. She knows where to walk. She knows where the cameras are. She knows how to have a good time. Fuck it. I'm gonna put this cigarette out. I might as well uh, throw it at time a judge. It. Boom. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Uh, so then we're back in judges chambers and Lana is passed out under the judges robes and Selma gets another dig in cause, uh, some Liz asks like, have you ever seen someone sleep like that? And Selma says, only if there were two candles at the head and the foot. Yeah, that was the, <laughs> the old dark Selma. That, this is uh, where that great bit with Bostwick comes in because, uh, Harry goes, uh, Harry goes, hey, I'm sorry about all this. And Bostwick goes, it's okay, I understand. And Harry goes, no, you don't. And Bostwick just goes, no, I don't. No, I don't. No, I actually don't. I thought that was a pretty, uh, pretty funny And then uh, another Selma gag is like Lana's up and she's sort of refreshed, like back to her normal self. And Selma just goes, I can tell the guilt's coming back to your cheeks. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, because when she woke up, I had that same feeling like, like you wake up knowing you were a main. It's just like waking yeah. up from like a blackout drunk or just a crazy yeah. drunk. You just go, no. Oops. I guess I'll find out more about this today. Yeah. And then she makes the point. She's like, oh my god, I'm so. In- I feel so bad. I I feel like I I'm in so embarrassed. And Selma goes, don't worry. You still have so many big embarrassments to come. Oh yeah. So Selma's just dropping hammers on Lana. Won't let her get. She's giving her the Groucho treatment. I'm glad you're focused on it because I didn't. I didn't. I was picking up on everything but Selma this episode. She had a good episode. <laughs> Excuse me. Um. So is it commercial break and then to cold clothes? Clothes? I mean. Yes, I believe cold clothes. I think that was it. They all kind of are glad that. She's Lana's right. back to normal. Oh, Dan Fielding's like bull. Will you walk us to the garage? Oh yeah, he's with Liz and they're they're all going home and he's kind of got his arm out and Liz they're kind of like they look like they're arm in arm and he's like, "Oh, let's hurry. We'll see if Bull can walk us to the garage." I guess they're afraid of uh old uh, Jack Riley the clown. I think I think old Frufru's on the prowl. They still haven't <laughs> reconciled his case. Frufru and uh guy in dress are getting a uh, beer at Muldoon's. <laughs> oh, man, that's what that's Halloween. Guy in dress and Frufru. Fucking Muldoon. So yeah, we go to our cold clothes. Harry and Lana. This we're back to the will they, won't they? They yeah. both kind of have an opportunity. They give each other opportunities to profess their love or feelings to one another. Mm-hmm. Both sort of just rebuke that they they see the opportunity and neither commits to it. And he Harry's like, maybe if you weren't engaged, there could have, but. Eh. Yeah, you know? she presses him, he presses her, they don't want to commit. It's getting close, and, and then Harry, yeah. we're reminded that Harry's a child, and he just goes, Gil Hodges! Yeah, that's Regarding right, yeah. Harry, T-Stone. He's like, that's the baseball player for the Dodgers I was trying to think of. Where she's 
sort of like sad sackingly like well we probably never would and he's like well we would if you weren't engaged and you, it gets kind of that intimate and like you said harry just goes yeah. gil hadges you get so we're yeah. like oh harry's doesn't really care about anything no and he's like averting like he's too scared to be an adult it's like earlier when she's first coming on to him he's like how about the middle east huh like he's just yeah yeah he's like a marx brother so then they part, she leaves, yeah. he leaves, and you get this nice moment, kind of a tropey moment where she's on one side of the yeah. door, he's on the other, they're they're looking like, will they, won't lay, he kind of makes his way to the door, she sort of stops with her hand up, like, no, I know, I know better, I shouldn't. Yep. And then they do what I didn't see coming, because I was like, oh, maybe it'll just end on the, because Night Court is not above ending on the... A sort of sad, sort of sentimental right. note. Both oh, of them at, no. at the door, like, Ugh. so Lana's kind of like, I don't think I should. And then she just goes, ah, and just cranks that door open. To and which? boom, hits Harry. Door now. I thought, I thought it was just head. I thought he was mugging because he got pinged in the head. Oh, no. So she opens the door and he's just, oh. <gasps> phased can't speak he's just like oh uh-huh, tomorrow you know and she's like i'll see you tomorrow and he's like uh-huh, uh-huh. no he doesn't ver- he doesn't make any noise was so unsettling like everything yeah. about this was so unsettling so he got a doorknob to the dick uh, i bet a halfy he got right on the top of his half ar- aroused yeah, Harry, that's Harry what T. like the way he was acting wasn't like the it was the classic bit of like guy gets hitting balls and he's like, like usually it's like a, like you hear something. But Harry, no sound escapes him. Nope. His mouth, his face becomes gaunt. It's like he's dead. He's dying. Yeah. Like he plays it so well. He's just like his face like almost transforms in the way like um uh, Alec Baldwin transforms his face in Beetlejuice. Go back and watch it. It's so yeah. bizarre. And he's he just like... slack-jawed and just silent. Yeah, silent. And I was just like, he just got hit so hard in the dick and she doesn't know it. So she's like, Harry, are you all right? And he's like, uh-huh. But he doesn't make a noise. Yeah. And then finally, she's like, all right, well, have a good night, court. And then she closes the door. <laughs> he falls back on the couch and she's walking away. And he hears him go like, like a cummy noise or something in her mind. I didn't, I didn't think it was dick shot until he slinked back on the the couch. I went, oh, he got hit in the dick. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just like you and Ash always miss like that little moment at the end that like kind of makes things make a little more sense. Like shoeshine boy, not pineapple, but I, that's the thing I did after the fact, like they don't. They didn't give you, they didn't even show the door, like, waist level. No. They showed, it right. seemingly hit him in the face. So I thought he was overselling the face shot. Right. And then I went, oh, he got the knob to the knob. He got knobbed in the knob, to which point he finally gets to lay back. Lana's walking away and he goes, Ugh. <sighs> And then, so I get, and then she looks kind of towards the camera, puts her, flips her hair back in a cocksure way and, like, smiles, freeze frame, to which I was like, what is that? Like, he's like, she's like, he's, he's jerking off to jerking me. Jerking off to I me? I knew it. That's what <laughs> I thought. Cause you're right. It was a very, she belongs in the clown like, makeup. Post climax, like, uh, gasp. Yeah. Like, what and she has that? that look. It's, it's not an insulted look. It's like a, I knew it. 
and so I agree. shit. I think he just thought he was jerking off to the idea of her smooch earlier. Awkward sex with Lana. So that's where we end. I gotta tell you, as you second lunch from Emerson. Oh, uh, that's where she's heading for Emil Dutton, Charles S's brother. <laughs> Charles S's. Ga- what say you, Gavelbang? I gotta go. I gotta go nine. That one was excellent. I all right. I'm giving uh, Jack Riley the clown ten Gavelbangs, hands down. And the only reason I'm giving it nine Gavelbangs and not ten is the same reason yeah, we've talked yeah, yeah, about. Here is I can't. I gotta keep that ceiling. I so, may re- retroactively come back and give it a ten, but yeah, I'm right there I think with it. it. Could possibly deserve it. I could. Star this is this definitely one. the leader of the pack for me. Yes, I hope that this they felt the same way, and this yeah. is more of a template, which I think it is. Like they're getting that groove for like bringing that out a little more of those outside characters. Give them Everything a little just more. Moves a little better. Like yes. you get a little bit of character story, but everybody gets. A little time to shine. Yes. I love the, the – we get more gallows. I love incorporating that and the grossness of Night Court. I love the return to that. And even that joke of like, I hope Bull can walk us to the, the the parking lot. I love any chance you get to be like, oh, no, they do live in a fucking horrifying place. Like, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. They're going to get attacked on their way to their car. Exactly. There we go. Uh, yeah, case a- nine. Close it and – Put a pineapple on top, baby. Put a pineapple on. Shine that. Shine that for me, pineapple. <laughs> is that a is that a spicy? Are we gonna look back Probably. and not only have to give this an extra gavel, but you have to go? You should not call. Um, he, he, is he a Hawaiian? Is that the deal? <laughs> oh God. Probably we should not be using oh, the term man. pineapple. I guess I won't be in Elizabeth Warren's cabinet with, with <laughs> clips oh, like pi- that. You'll be the most. Uh, famous colored member of Elizabeth Warren's cabinet. <laughs> Whatever that means. You can call me pineapple. <laughs> call me pineapple, Liz. Golly shanks. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I guess the night is long and full of Emil Dutton's. Have a good clown court. Not wearing skivvies by the... There you have it, case number nine. It is in the bag. Uh, as always, if you've listened this far, you know I have uh, always give a little information about the pod and other pods we do. Um, actually, this week I had asked uh, our buddy Emil Dutton to take care of it, but uh, he didn't do it. Why was that, Emil? I was too drunk. Uh-huh, yeah. So what do you want to do now? Tell him what we got, baby. Uh, Check me later and I'll show you why all the world loves a clown. Wait, was that a dick thing? Is that your best shot? No, no. All right. Come on. Come on. Uh, let's just tell the listeners where they can find some other stuff for the pod. If the little creeps want an idol, I won't disappoint them. Let them suck on a George Washington or Ivanhoe. Somebody dead. Uh, uh, that they can check out our other podcast, Jerk Practice, on iTunes. Um, they can check us out on Facebook at Jerk Practice Pod. We also have a blog, jerkpractice.com. 
you know, just other stuff for the pod. Well, I think that went well. You got anything else? Can we get on with this? I got to get some sleep. I got a seltzer seminar in the morning. I got a new pump on the market. Let's hit a man in the face at 30 feet. All right, all right. I'm done. I'm done. You're kind of a creep, you know that, Emil? Anything for a laugh. All right, what is that smell? I haven't worn underwear since the late 60s. I'm so sick. I hate you, Emil. The place is a circus. That's for sure. Great seats, though. Uh, All right, (laughs) not you two, too. Everybody out. Gallows out. Done. We're done. Night court adjourned. You're all gross, night court. All set, Your Honor. What's it look like tonight? The guy in the dress wants another strip search. <laughs> what a sickie. Yeah. I mean, gloves with a cocktail dress? 